Well, if we have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Megan Maserol, and I serve here as the director of Serve Ministries. But this morning, it is my honor and privilege to get to come around God's word with you. Uh, this morning, our text is going to be in 1 John in chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there with me. If not, the verses will be on the screen behind me. So again, we will be in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 10, going through verse 18. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God, in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Would you pray with me? Well, God, we are so thankful. God, we're so thankful for your presence. Because God, your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, you are here. And so we just recognize your presence in this place. And God, I pray that our time together right here, right now, continuing in worship, God, that this, this would be a sweet aroma to you. That our lives would be glorifying to you, God. And I pray that in this space, in this time, you would give us ears to hear what you have for us. Hearts that are tender and malleable. And that we would live lives that are different because of what you say is true. And so God, we love you, and we trust you, and we give you this time. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. So I remember the first book that ever really, really impacted me. Uh, and it, it was in high school. Now, uh, for context, that may sound a little late to some of you. Like, don't you start reading, I don't know, kindergarten, first grade. It's, it's been a while. Um, yes, 
that is true. However, reading was always super, super challenging for me. And so the only reading that I did was simply just for assignments that I needed to do, the work that, that had to be done in school. It was never something I did for, for pleasure, for entertainment, anything of the sorts outside of only what was necessary for school. But in high school, I found a book that was so, so deeply impactful to me. So profound, in fact, that still to this day, I will go back and, and look up quotes from the book. I will reference it. And uh, when anyone asks for a must-read recommendation from me, that is a book that I often give because it has truly impacted me and sat with me for, for this long. And that book is a book called Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Albom. And in, in the book reads so much less like a, a book or a letter and so much more like a conversation between two people that we just kind of get to be a fly on the wall for. And what's even more fascinating about this book is that it is a true account of the author, Mitch, sitting with this man named Maury. And Maury was his college professor slash mentor. But Mitch is sitting with Maury 20 years after that period that they shared together in life. And he's sitting with Maury in the last few months of his life. And so Mitch goes over uh, to Maury's house weekly on, you guessed it, Tuesdays, uh, and sits in his study with him in these two rocking chairs, side by side. And Mitch just asks him questions about life and what he has learned. And in the book is us getting to glean and hear from what Maury has found important and impactful and pertinent through the life that he's lived. And so similarly, today, friends, I we kind of get to take a similar posture as we step into 1 John. As, as John, the author of this book, is, is an older, older man, has lived a long life. And, and, and these scriptures kind of invite us to just sit right along next to John, listening to him and gleaning from the wisdom of a long life lived as John is beckoning us to cling to what he has found important after his longevity of life. And so we are in this series called This is Love, right? And just last week, we were given this beautiful overarching overview of the love story of God from Genesis to Revelation. And what we found to be true last week, and I believe that the text this week also affirms, is that God loved us first. God loved us first. And friends, I believe that that truth is supposed to be so grounding and anchoring for us. Because it reminds us that any kind of godly love that we give out into the world 
is only an overflow from what has first been given to us. And, and that love gives us this, this leading example of what it looks like to go out into the world and love those around us. And, and, and that, that's kind of the central vision and message of this section of 1 John that we're in. Our, our old man John, as we're sitting, sitting next to him, is painting for us this beautiful picture of what it would look like, what our lives could and ought to look like if we lived in the fullness of that love that has come for us. Perfect love. The perfect love of God that has come for us. So, so what would that look like? What would that look like for us as believers to live in the fullness of perfect love? Well, I believe by the text today, we would see three main evidences in our lives that would point us in a direction that would say, yeah, yeah, they are living in perfect love. And so, and so the first evidence, the first evidence would be that if, if we were living in the fullness of perfect love, we would love each other. Simple, yet challenging, right? We would actually love each other. And, and love moves towards others in the spirit of self-sacrifice. And, and moving towards others in that spirit of, of self-sacrifice re reminds us and reflects to the world the sacrificial love that came, died, and resurrected for us. And, and we show the world and are reminding ourselves that God lives in us when we go out and love others boldly. And, and, and that's really why love is the litmus test for what we really believe in. Because if, if, if we sit here and say, I love God, but I don't love people, I don't love others, it should, it should cause for a pause in some examination. Because the hard truth is, if, if, we, if we say that we love God and we don't love people, maybe we don't know God. Because God is love. Or maybe we have known God. Maybe we have known of his love, but we have, we have silenced the, the Spirit's leading of sanctification in our life. Because when we believe in God and the Holy Spirit is in us, leading and shaping us to look more like Jesus, the Spirit will lead us to love and to love other people. And so maybe we have, we have turned down the volume so much to where, where we can't even hear him. Because love is our evidence to the world 
that we love God. So the second evidence of what it would look like for us to live in the fullness of perfect love, we would be compelled by the Spirit of God in us to tell others about the perfect love available in Jesus. If, if we can only love out of an overflow of what's been first given to us, then how else would we give an explanation for our heart, for God, and for others, right? It, it, it could, we would have no other answer. It could only be that the love of Christ compels us, saves us, loves us, and sustains us. His love is what we rely on to love other people. And so we would be compelled to share that perfect love with others if we say that we really love them, right? And, and, and the last evidence that we would have in our lives that would, would mark a believer living in the fullness of perfect love is that we would be a people that would live without fear. We would be a people that would live without fear. Because, you see, perfect love and fear cannot coexist. The only place where love and fear exist is where love has not yet been made perfect. Because perfect love casts out fear. Because if we are in the fullness of perfect love, what do we have to fear? Nothing. Nothing. If we're living in perfect love, fear has no place. And so, to live in the fullness of perfect love, we would be people that love one another we would be compelled to tell other people about the perfect love in Jesus. And we would be people that would live without fear. All right, great. Like, that's really simple. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> Thank you, John, for this roadmap. I will take it and I will implement it immediately. Like that. That's what I want to say, right? That's what I want to say. And I want all of our responses to be, right? But it's really hard. It's really, really hard to live like this. And, and, and right now, like in, in the quietness of of, of, of my heart, I can't shake the unshakable tension that living like this all the time feels impossible. Feels absolutely impossible. You know, when I was reading these scriptures, preparing for today, and even just now rereading them over again, you know, one half of my heart and spirit is like, yes, John! Yes, brother, let's do this. Like, we can live like this. 
And the other half of my heart and spirit is like, John, do you live in a fantasy? Have you, have you lived in the real world around real people? It's tough out here. This thing called life that we live together. And I have to be even more honest with all of you today that this kind of tension of this this internal strife of what to do with God's love in this this giving to and receiving from the world around us has been the very topic of my own personal counseling journey for the last seven or eight months. Because I so desperately did not know what to do with the fact that while you and I try to live this out and try to love one another, we don't do it perfectly. We have a God who has loved us perfectly, right? And I can get behind that. I can get behind his love, his perfect love. That standard is met and is not changing, not going anywhere. But I haven't known what to do about you and me. How do I hold myself and others with any kind of expectation of love when we are all broken vessels. And you knew that before I even said it. Because we feel that. And we have felt that. We hurt one another. And we've been hurt by one another, right? When we mean to and even when we didn't mean to, right? And, and I'll say for, for myself and for my own personal wrestling with this, that reality of hurt and the fact that you could hurt me and I could hurt you has caused me to fear and has caused me to shrink back in this, in this state of self-preservation and risk mitigation, and it looks, it's looked a little something like this. I fear that you're going to hurt me or I'm going to hurt you. So how do we solve this? We just don't, we just don't try to love each other at all. So then we don't get it wrong. And then we, we, we don't have to deal with the hurt or disappointment that comes when we don't get this right. And, and friends, from a deeply personal experience, I can tell you that this is a dangerous way to live. This is not how we were intended to live. Because, because this kind of way of operating leads to a life where fear, fear conquers us as we recognize 
we're not perfect in love, so we don't love at all. Or we withhold love. Or even deeper, we reject perfect love from God when it comes from us because we feel so incompetent and inadequate to receive it. Or even more, we've become so numb and so apathetic to God's love that we can't even recognize it when it's coming for us. But friends, if, if we do that, if we let fear, which is a liar, by the way, if we let fear run and dictate our minds and our thoughts and our actions, we miss out on the opportunity to be perfected in love, which enables us to love boldly. We miss out on the opportunity of the Holy Spirit to chisel away fear piece by piece by piece and let love be the masterpiece within us that it was always meant to be. We miss out on the opportunity of not only ourselves being conduits of God's love and grace and care to the world, but we also miss out on receiving God's love and grace and care by the conduit of other people. No believer's love has ever been so perfect as to completely banish or eliminate fear. But I believe every believer's experience has been that when love increases, fear diminishes and decreases. If we believe that a perfect love exists that casts out fear, then as we step into love, we are being perfected in that love. Love is being perfected in us. It, the more we step towards and into love, we are being perfected in the love that loved us and loves us perfectly. When we, when we choose fear, we are leaning away from what is healing us and leading into what is harming us. But when we choose to lead with and lean into love, we are displaying that we believe that a perfect love has come and is coming for us. And the perfect love of Christ not only alleviates, alleviates fear as we lean into being perfected in love, but it also silences the fear of finality of punishment. Perfect love has come for us and has given us the full assurance that we are his. Amen? Amen? That we're his. That we're saved. And we're covered by Jesus' blood for all of our days. And out of that full assurance, 
you and I can revel in the work of sanctification and rest in the peace of grace. You and I can revel in the work of being perfected in love as we rest in the grace of full assurance that we're his. And, and so what, what does that look like? What it, how, how do we revel in this work of sanctification that this piece by piece we would be perfected in love? How do we do that? What would that look like? It means that we can go out and we can love our neighbors, not because our neighbors are always super lovable, but because we ourselves are fully and perfectly loved when we too are unlovable at times. We can live without fear of failure coming from us or towards us because we know as we stumble and fall and even hurt at times that we're held and we're kept and we're safe. We can be examples of grace towards one another when we get it wrong as a reflection of the grace that constantly covers and comes after us. And we can celebrate together when love is victorious as an anchor for the truth that perfect love has set us and is setting us free. We can know and believe that we are conduits of God's love to the world because the same spirit that saved us is shaping us into perfect love. And so friends, may we be and become people that sound like our old man John here that are just fountains of love and truth and wisdom that others are eager to come and sit next to and learn what it looks like to love and be loved by God and to give that love and receive that love from those around us. My prayer for us today is that as love becomes louder and louder in our life, that fear would forever fade and fade. That we would move from the fear of hurt to the hope of healing as love changes us and changes everything around us. And by this, the world will know that God is love when we love one another. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth that you are love. And your love incarnate in Jesus came for us and, and has given us a way 
to live without fear. And God, thank you that your saving work and your saving love gives us the opportunity every single day that we have breath in our lungs to choose love and being perfected in love over fear. And we, and we can choose to lean into love from a place of confidence that we are yours. And out of that place of confidence, we can go into the world and love other people. Not because I will love them perfectly, not because they will love me perfectly, but because perfect love loves us first. And we're held and we're kept as we stumble along and continue to lean in to looking more like Jesus every single day. God, you are so good. We're so grateful for all that you are and all that you've done. May we revel in your love today. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of this.